This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.07, it's Wednesday the 6th of December and you're listening to The Morning Run with Kikam, Anwar Mabo and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. Well, it was read across most markets. Uh, the Dow closed down 0.2%. The S&P 500 was down 0.1%. However, the Nasdaq was up marginally at 0.3%. For Asian markets, Nikkei was down 1.4%. Hang Seng down 1.9%. The Shanghai Composite was down 1.7%. The SDI was down 0.2%. And our very own FBM KLCI was down 0.1%. So, for some insights on where international markets are heading, we speak to Carlos Casanova, Senior Economist at at UBP. Good morning, Carlos. Always good to speak to you. Can we just start with the latest news out of China, which is where Moody Investor Services cut its outlook for Chinese sovereign bonds to negative, although keeping the long-term rating of A1 on the national sovereign bonds. What do you make of this news? Mm-hmm. Good morning. So the big news this week uh, seems to be that Moody's rating downgrade. Um, now, they've cited uh, concerns around local government debt as the main reason for the downgrade. And they are assuming that the central government will step in to you know, facilitate the restructuring or the repayment of some of these bonds almost as a lender of last resort. They're basically assuming that the central government will be a lending of last resort. Central government balance sheet is, is very healthy, in fact. Um, government debt is only 21% of GDP. Central government debt, which is actually pretty solvent by global standards. But of course, once you factor in all the local government debt, all of the local government financing vehicle debt, all of that off-balance sheet debt, onto the picture, it, it starts to look less positive. So they're basically assuming that the Chinese government is going to step in as lender of last resort. And as a result, they see a worsening in the fundamentals of sovereign level. Now, we, we don't know yet, but uh, that's why they've kept the rating unchanged and they've simply changed the outlook to negative. But it is certain that, you know, the longer this restructuring takes, the more insolvencies that we see, the, the harder it is to restructure some of this debt, the more likely it is that the central government would step in as a lender of last resort. So it's fair. Now, in your commentary, you believe that the Chinese PBOC is not expected to flood the economy with credit, but provide stronger support to key sectors such as technology and advanced manufacturing. Now, how will they do this and what tools will they use to achieve this in the absence of quantitative easing? Hmm. Well, quantitative easing would would be good, and we've been hoping to see one more rate cut for the longest time. But it seems like the PBOC, you know, they took a few months with Peng Onshen coming in on board. They took a few months to sort of get their head around how they want to proceed, and it seems that they are opting for a more cautious stance. It will still be accommodative, but it won't be a, as sort of pro-growth as, as, as some people were hoping. And the reason for it is that there is this looming headwind with all of that off-balance sheet uh, debt, and they, they don't do not wish to exacerbate this 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 issue. So in in there was a fi- finance conference last week, and there was a, the Q3 monetary policy implementation report, and in both events we noticed a slightly hawkish bias. Um, they've been focusing uh, on the implementation of monetary policy, uh, specifically on the transmission. So they are going to make sure that banks are actually passing through lower uh, interest rates to um, corporates. Um, there's been a few issues uh, with that uh, earlier this year. And they've also sort of stressed the fact that they will um, adhere to the target that money growth should be overall in line with nominal GDP growth. Remember, with inflation being so low in China, we're talking nominal GDP growth around um, 5% this year. The IMF does forecast that nominal growth will be around 6% in the next few years. But money growth in China this year has averaged about 12%. So we have to um, 
experience a, a, a contraction in money growth in, in the coming years. So what that means is that um, they, there's this contradiction between the need to support the economy, but the need to um, be more hawkish and, and, and utilize tools that are more targeted. So we think that um, that puts another rate cut uh, you know, out of uh, off the table for the time being. Um, we think that quantitative easing and the expansion of the PBOC balance sheet would have been good, but it's unlikely to sort of be as aggressive as we initially thought. Um, reserve requirement ratio cuts are absolutely possible, given that that would form part of this better execution of monetary policy. Um, China's uh, trade surplus isn't as big as before, so there's no need to keep such a large reserve requirement ratio. Um, they will also continue to do macroprudential support measures. A great example of that is this ongoing debate about forcing banks to extend credit to some of the developers on the white list. And they will also um, select a few targeted sectors in advanced manufacturing and technology. And they will use these sorts of more targeted measures over um, mm. just printing money or, 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 or cutting rates and, and not knowing what happens after. Carlos, uh, the uh, Reserve Bank of Australia, it, they kept uh, Aussie overnight rates at 4.35% the last meeting for the year. Uh, reiterating that returning inflation to target within a reasonable time frame remains the board's priority. How long is this time frame, do you think, and, and are present rates high enough to achieve this target? Hmm. Well, the, the the thing with the Reserve Bank of Australia is they have to be very careful about how they proceed. And they've done 425 basis points in rate cuts in this cycle. So they have to be cautious because Australian households are quite exposed to mortgages. And of course, they would be directly hit by the increase in interest rates. Um, I think the current level is about right. Um um, I wouldn't exclude the possibility of another 25 basis point rate hike. RBA is trying to avoid that because they've seen a rapid uh, decline in the headline CPI number with services remaining a bit more sticky. Um, so they are hoping that uh, if they maintain rates um, on hold for another six months, they should see a return of CPI towards um, their target uh, given the trend. Um, but again, as I mentioned, uh, you know, this is in a, in a very benign scenario where oil prices didn't increase. Um, you are not seeing very rapid uh, growth coming out of China. It's not a, a rebound. Um, and the U.S. economy is still in Goldilocks scenario. So uh, this, this could change um, and they could have to do one more eight hike, but they are trying to avoid it at all costs. Uh, Carlos, just uh, related to that as well, uh, I've been seeing the uh, AUD USD rate um, moving towards 60, going past 65, 66, maybe heading towards 70. Uh, do you see this Aussie strength more of a function of weak US dollar or, 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 or the high interest rates or you know, possibly even a recovery in the Aussie economy? Yeah, if it was only the Aussie dollar, you could argue it's uh, related to the recovery of the Aussie economy. But we are seeing um, U.S. dollar weakness across the board. So we've seen uh, strengthening, you know, from Australia to Japan across uh, across Asia, and that is more uh, the, the result of uh, markets now pricing in um, rate cuts for the Fed next year. There's whole debate about when that is going to happen, um, and uh, you know. U.S. 10-year yields sort of cooling a little bit from their peaks of around 5%. And we do expect that, you know, they won't come crashing down in 2024, but they will sort of normalize at, 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 at around 4 to 4.5%. So that is, a, uh, you know, some degree of strengthening in Asia, given how much depreciation we experienced last year is, is probably overdue. 
right. Thank you so much for your time. That was Carlos Casanova, Senior Economist at UBP, wrapping up all the latest economic headlines that have crossed our docket in the last few days. Uh, But let's turn our attention to one set of results that came out from the US last night, and that is an American luxury home builder called Toll Brothers. And they reported a fiscal fourth quarter earnings that exceeded analyst expectations, although orders came in weaker than expected, no thanks to a surge in mortgage rates. Now, earnings per share came in at $4.11, better than expected, $3.72. Meanwhile, home sales revenues fell by 18% year-on-year to $2.95 billion, still exceeding analyst expectations at $2.78 billion, and delivered homes were down by 27%. However, net signed contract value did saw a significant increase of 53% to $2.01 billion and contracted homes rose by 72%. For the full year, Toll Brothers achieved a net income of $1.37 billion. That's up by 6% from a year ago. And this is despite a 9% decrease in delivered homes. Home sales revenue rose by 2% to $9.87 billion. For the fiscal year 2024, uh, Toll Brothers expects home deliveries of around 9,800 to 10,300 units. Looks like the uh, equivalent of the T20 in America is still chugging along very nicely. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the guidance, they're still expecting to sell more houses, although this quarter maybe the orders came in weaker than expected. And the market still likes this stock. It's up 74% on the year-to-date basis. What shocked me is I didn't know that property developers in in America trade only at seven and a half times PE. That's pretty cheap. That's the valuation that they're giving for a very old economy stock. Now, on Wall Street, there are 13 buys, five holes, just two sells. Consensus target price for this stock, 88 US dollars and 75 cents. It wasn't really traded flat at the moment. It's 87 US dollars and 21 cents. So, I don't know. If mortgage rates stay where they are, will earnings actually drop off in successive quarters? Or is it just the T1 as usual, still having savings and pay is still pretty reasonable so they can still of course go out and buy new homes I, I love the designs though oh you had a look at their website <laughs> is <Yes>. it <laughs> okay up next we'll be covering the top stories in the newspapers and portals stay tuned for that BFM 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the BFM app